Awesome. Well, what um, Pastor Tim didn't tell you is that actually how he got hurt is I was going on a dunk over him, and he fell and got hurt. So, no, if I want to dunk, he's got to pick me up like one of his kids and just drop it in there. But, no, I love Tim. I love um, his heart. I love his, really his leadership gift, and I love that it's being expressed here in the local church and building the kingdom of God. And um, I know that he's blessed to be here with you guys leading the church, and you're blessed to have him as, as the lead pastor. So, so thankful for him, such a friend. And we met in Master's Commission, I think he mentioned that, uh, just a program, a discipleship program, right after high school, at least it was right after high school for me. And um, I don't know, we just immediately connected. I, I was like, well, this is the tallest guy, and he's got great hair. Maybe that'll help me. And it didn't, so, but I got a great friend out of the deal, so just excited for what God's doing through Tim and Tiffany here at this church. Well, I want to show you a picture of my family. You can go ahead and pull up that, that picture there. So there's, there's my family, uh, Ella, who is nine years old, and then Mac, and then there's my, my beautiful wife, who's over here on the front row, so she joined me, come out here to San Jose. But we're uh, from Missouri, so we live in Kansas City. I'm associate pastor there at Eagle Creek Church. Kind of a funny story, um, a few, I guess it was a couple of years ago, uh, we, I was going to a Jiffy Lube where I get our oil changed, and they had a little deal to where you could top off your oils, because the, the car that I have kind of burns some oil. Maybe you've got a car like that, so it just burns some oil, so i got to top it off every once in a while, so I take it in, I get it um, uh, topped off, they, they pop the hood, I'm sitting in the car, and, and they come around, the technician comes around and says, uh, sir, do you, do you know what's under your hood? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I said, come here. So I, I walk around, and they, they show me in the, uh, where the serpentine belt is. There's a bunch of leaves right there. And so they start pulling back the leaves, and there's little baby squirrels living under my, my hood. So I'm like, oh, my goodness. So they get it all, all cleaned up and whatever. And so it was probably a month and a half later, I said, uh, hey, Becca, while you're out, you know, she had the kids with her. I said, while you're out, take the car by Jiffy Lube. Just pull it in, and they got a little deal to where they'll just top off the oil. I think it probably burned about a quart at this point, so go ahead and take it in there and get them to top it off or whatever. She's like, okay, cool. So she pulls into the place, and, and they pop the hood, and the technician comes around and says, ma'am, have you, have you seen under your hood? Do you know what's under your hood? She's like, no, I don't know what's under her hood. Pulls her around, and there's this pile of leaves. This time there's no, no squirrels. And so then the manager comes over and says, you're not going to believe this, but your dad was here a month and a half ago and had the same problem. Don't worry, we're going to get this taken care of for you. So that happens quite a bit for us. Uh, she looks a lot younger than she really is, but she also is a lot younger than me. But, um, but she was legal when we got married, y'all. That's what matters. So... She was legal, so that's right. She's going to wheel me around one day, you know. That's my retirement plan. So Pastor Tim uh, talked last week. You guys kicked off a, a new series called Holy Spirit, and I'm going to uh, tag with that. And, um, you know, he talked about several just uh, key points about the role of the Holy Spirit. He said, you know, the Holy Spirit will be with you. The Holy Spirit will reveal the Bible to you. He will help you to share Jesus with others. He'll convict you of sin, and then he'll help guide you. Through life, And here's my prayer for you today, that, that you can be encouraged in your faith. The Bible says that your faith is, is more precious than gold. So anything that you could possess 
in this life, your faith is more important than that. And that's ultimately what God wants us to build here on this earth. He wants us to build our faith, not at the expense of material things. He's okay with that, that kind of stuff, but he, not at the expense of it. He wants us to focus our attention, our time building our faith. My hope and my prayer is that I can help build your faith today. But we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and specifically the, the daily impact that the Holy Spirit can have on your life and, and how it affects your purpose in your life, brings clarity to your purpose and gives you the power to carry it out. And we're going to look at a guy by the name of Peter because I really believe that this guy is the perfect model of, of this, that, that he was able to zone in on who the Holy Spirit was, and the Holy Spirit was able to give him clarity for his purpose, and then the power, ultimately, to carry it out. So we're going to hang with me for a while, because i got to set up this story of Peter and kind of his life, but we are going to get to the power of the Holy Spirit and how that impacts your life. So Jesus called several of his disciples, and some of them in different ways, but there was kind of a unique calling for, for Peter. Jesus was speaking to the, the crowds, and they were up on a hill, and, and so he decides that he's going to get in Peter's boat. And so he says, hey, Peter, let me get in your boat, and I'm going to go out to the, you know, a little further in the lake, and then I'm going to talk to the people. And so Jesus preaches to the people, and then he finishes up, and then he starts to talk to Peter. And this is where we pick it up in Luke chapter 5, verses 4 through, we'll cover 4 through 8, and then we'll pick it up from there. It says this, when he had finished speaking... He said to Simon, Simon's also Peter, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. I just want to pause right there for just a second. It's kind of unique that, um, that that's his response. But it shouldn't surprise us. Because oftentimes, you know, when, when there's something miraculous, when God shows up, sometimes we want to pull away from God. We, we want, if there's something divine that happens, we want to run away from the divine because we don't want him to see our sinfulness. And Peter was probably thinking, man, if you could do this miracle with the whole fish thing, you could probably see into my soul. But I love what Jesus' response is in verse 10. Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. I love that about Jesus. Yes, he could see all the imperfections in your life, in my life, and yet he still wants to use us. I mean, like if I was in Jesus' shoes, I probably would not have chosen a fisherman to change the world. Like if I was tasked with changing the world, my first pick of a leader probably would not have been Peter. It wouldn't have been this fisherman. I probably would have gone to some of the higher leaders in the world and try to get the best people I could and you know, build it from there. But yet, that's not what Jesus does. And in fact, if I were to do a spiritual movement, like I wouldn't have chosen a guy that says, I'm a sinful man. But yet, that's what Jesus does. Because here's the deal. Jesus is willing, it wants to use people that are willing, not always qualified. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but that comforts me. To know that God wants to use me, even with my imperfections. And he's going to work on me. He's going to shape me. 
He's going to help me to progress. Anytime I feel inadequate, I can just know I can go to Jesus and he can make me adequate. Maybe you've heard this saying before, that God doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. And that's what he does with Peter. So here in this moment, Jesus gives Peter purpose. He says, here's what I want you to do. I, I I want you to be a fisher of men. You don't even got to change your occupation, so to speak. You can still be a fisher. You just got to change the object of what you're fishing for. And so in this moment, Jesus gives Peter purpose. Several years ago with uh, uh, Pastor Tim, actually it was while we were in Master's Commission, so however long ago that was, um, we, we used to do some street evangelism. And so we would go down to the Springfield, Springfield, Missouri, down to the square, and we would you know, tell people about Jesus. And um, I'll, I'll take this one, Tim, because it was a really bad idea. So um, I had this idea that I was going to give away a hot cappuccino because I saw at Sam's you can get the powdered cappuccino and uh, it was really cold. It was, I think it was the winter time. And so I was like, man, I want to give everybody a cappuccino, just free cappuccino, and then I'll talk to them about Jesus. And so I was like, how am I going to keep it hot, though? Like, what am I going to do? Well, I was walking around Sam's one day, and I, I saw this uh, turkey fryer. And I was like, oh, yes. Lord, you have spoken. I am buying that, and we're going um, to do this. And so we went down to the square, and I, I had this propane tank sitting next to the turkey fryer, and this big old, you know, deal filled it with hot water, mixed up all the cappuccino. I think it was terrible. I didn't put enough. It was really watered down. And it was super cold, so no one was walking around. And so we didn't really witness to very many people, but, uh, you know, a couple people took the cappuccino. But, uh, you know, our purpose was to, to witness to others and share Jesus, but we were a little bit confused of what that would look like. And I think as we look at the story of Peter and the many of the other disciples, they were a little confused on what it was being a fisher of men would look like. In fact, they had this idea in their minds that Jesus was going to be an earthly king. Like that's what they were looking forward to actually. They wanted Jesus to, you know, free them from the oppression of the Romans. You know, because at that time, Israel was under the oppression of the the Romans, and they were looking for this Messiah King to set them free. And here Jesus comes along doing all these miracles and stuff, and so they're looking forward to ruling and reigning with Jesus. In fact, a couple of the disciples at one point are like fighting over who's going to sit on the right and left of Jesus when he finally reveals himself. In fact, even Judas, some people think just Judas wanted Jesus to die. He actually didn't. He betrayed Jesus because he wanted to force Jesus' hand. He turned him into the, the leaders. And so he's like, okay, if, we do, if I do this, then now he's got to reveal himself. He's got to then all of a sudden, okay, now I have to become king because that's my plan or whatever. Because Judas comes back and he realizes Jesus is going to die. And so he's filled with remorse and he throws the money back. Because they were all hoping and looking forward to Jesus becoming an earthly king so they could rule and reign with Jesus. But see, they misunderstood Jesus' plan and purpose. In fact, even in, in Acts chapter 1, after Jesus had died and rose from the dead, they're still even asking questions where they say, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And then he corrects them. He's like, no, 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 stay here for the power of the Holy Spirit. At one point, Peter tries to stop Jesus from going to the cross, Matthew 16 says this, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples 
that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hand of the elders and chief priests and teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Look at Jesus' response. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Now, when you have the creator of the universe call you Satan, that's a bad day. That's a bad day right there. You might not want to journal that day. Oh, went to the store with my wife, played with the park with the kids, got called Satan by God. You know, that's not a good day. You want to skip the journal on that one. He says, Jesus says to him, you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Because he wanted him to become an earthly king, but God had a bigger plan. You would think that Peter maybe would have put two and two together, you know, all along the way and say, no, 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 it's a spiritual kingdom. I'm going to be a spiritual king. Like, no, the, the enemy is not Rome. It's sin. It's Satan, all those things. But he just wasn't putting it together. And so he tried to, to stop him. Maybe you've been there before. Or you've been confused about your purpose in life. You're just trying to figure out what God wants you to do. And, and you're trying to follow him by faith. But it gets kind of confusing along the way. Several years ago, Becca and I were in Springfield, Missouri. I was on staff at a really large church. And, and just felt like everything was going great. And all of a sudden, we felt like God called us to go to Kansas City to help with a, a church plant. I wasn't the lead guy, but I was going to help with it. And so I went and... And we got there and things were going great and the church today is, is taking off and it's, it's awesome. But there was, at the beginning time, things were falling apart for me to be a part of it. Nothing bad, nothing bad on my end, nothing bad on their end. It was just a matter of provision. <laughs> they just didn't have. And so God was like working in me and, and I was like, God, what are you up to? I'm so confused about my calling to where at one point I, was, I ended up on the railroad. I was a conductor, you know, choo-choo. I was telling train cars where to go and how to take them. I was like, Lord, seriously, like this is weird right now. Like, what am I doing with my life? And it got confusing. And for Peter, it probably in that moment got confusing for him. But I love, I love Pastor Tim's point last week that one of them, the jobs of the Holy Spirit is, is to guide you. And if you hold on, even when the moments that don't make sense, if you hold on, the Holy Spirit will lead and guide your heart, and that's what God is doing with Peter, and that's what God has done with me, and that's what God will do with you. But some people need more work than others, and Peter was kind of that guy that needed some more work. And so, um, but there was one thing that you might say, okay, he had it going for him. Like Peter was confident. I love this. After Jesus was talking to his disciples, and, and he's like, hey, I've got to go to the cross, it's the Last Supper, and he's talking to him. This is what Peter says. He says, he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Like, Peter's super confident. Like, hey, I'll do anything. Like, I'll go with you. I'll go to prison. I'll, I'll die with you. Whatever it takes. Jesus, you and me, we're together on this. Like, we'll go wherever we got to go. But then look at Jesus' response in 30, uh, verse 34. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times that you know me. And poor Peter, <laughs> does this guy have anything going for him? You know, he sure tries real hard. You know, he, he's confused about his purpose. He, he tries to be confident, but then he's not. And obviously, if you know the, the gospel story, then he does end up denying Jesus three times. Even one time to a, a young girl <laughs> that he doesn't even know 
Jesus. Just moments before that, he was so confident. Man, this guy, he just doesn't seem like he can get it together. And you know what? If the story ended right there, if the story ended right there, it would have been a fun little ride, but it would have been really disappointing. But the cool part is the story doesn't end right there. Not for Peter and not for the rest of the disciples. Because Jesus had told them, I want you to wait because I'm going to send someone to you. I'm going to send you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to read Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. This is the day of Pentecost. So it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire and separated and came and rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And then in verse 14, it says that Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and began to address the crowd. Finally, in this moment, now Peter gets it. Like finally in this moment now Peter starts to do what God had called him to do. And then after verse 14 he shares the gospel. He begins to explain to the people all the things that they're seeing. The pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And begins to share the gospel with them. And then he calls them to a response. He says this in verse 38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. I wonder if in that moment, Peter began to think back, after he does his speech and God uses him in a big, big way, I wonder if he would have thought back to that moment when Jesus said to to him, don't be afraid, you will be a fisher of men. I wonder if he would have in that moment realized how God had brought about the clarity of, around his purpose. I wonder if there would have been a little bit of a smile on his face, like this is what finally Jesus was talking about. Man, I'm such a bonehead. Like, why did I get this? Why didn't I understand this? Now I understand. Now I I get it. Because this is what I believe one of the functions that the Holy Spirit can do for each one of our daily lives. Because purpose, our God-given purpose, is a pretty big thing in our lives. It's something that we interact with every single day, or it's something that we should. And and at times it can get confusing, but if we stay filled up with the Holy Spirit, he can bring clarity, just like he did for Peter. And look at the the results, verse 41, it says, that day 3,000 people were added to the kingdom of God. And they just counted men in that day, so then you add women and children to that number, you had 10 to 12,000 on day one. Man, God used Peter in a huge, huge way clarified his purpose. Now, finally, he becomes a fisher of men. But not only that, this guy has a boldness like never before, because you look in in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are on their way to the temple, and there's this dude that's, uh, he's crippled, he's um, he's outside the temple, and he's just a beggar, and he's begging for for money, and so he reaches out, and he sees Peter and John coming, and he's like, hey, do you have any money? And Peter uh, looks at him and says, silver and gold I don't have. But what I have I give to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Stand up and walk. 
Well, obviously, this causes a lot of commotion among all of the the leaders, the Jewish leaders of that that day. And they're not too happy about it because they're like, we thought we got rid of Jesus, this miracle worker. But apparently he's sticking around. And so what they do is they take in um, the Peter or Peter and John and says this. We'll we'll pick it up in Acts chapter four. It says the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to 5,000. So another 2,000 men. So they had women and children. I mean, we're now we're talking like 15,000, 18,000 people that are giving their life to Christ. But you think about it for a moment. Peter is now in jail. Like the very thing that he at one point said to Jesus, hey, I'll go to jail with you. Like you and me, we're close. Like I'll do whatever. But then he denies Jesus just hours later. But now in this moment, he doesn't say anything about that, but finds himself in jail. Is he going to have courage? Is he going to be able to stand up against these, these, these leaders? Look what it says in verse 7 and 8 of chapter 4. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Speaking of the healing of the the beggar and the cripple. Verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders, and begins to speak again about the gospel. That's the name of Jesus. So he doesn't cower. He's not afraid. He's actually got the power to carry it out. In fact, you see in verse 13 that they start to notice, the rulers notice how courageous they are. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John. Man, Peter's on fire. Like all of a sudden now he has clarity around his purpose, and now he's got the power to carry it out. And it's all because he's filled with the Holy Spirit. This is how he finishes the conversation, verses 18 through 20. It says this, And then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in your eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and what we've heard. I mean, I love that. I love that statement. He's like, you, you figure it out. You know, should we obey you or should we obey God? Right there, he's got clarity of purpose. He's a fisher of men. He's like, this is what God's called me to do. This is what God has asked me to do. I know you want me to do something, but this is what God wants me to do. And now he has the courage and the power to actually carry it out versus when he, before he was a coward, before he got filled with the Holy Spirit. It's no wonder in, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is not a prohibition on, on drinking, okay, by the way. Jesus drank wine, so this is not a rule against that. But it's rather, it's an illustration that Paul, the Apostle Paul who wrote this, is saying, just in the same way this has an influence on you when you drink of it, But if you drink a lot of that, too much of that, that's going to ruin your life. But the the Holy Spirit has the opposite effect. Whenever you drink of the Holy Spirit, whenever you get more and more of the Holy Spirit in your life, whenever you get full to overflowing, whenever you get filled with God, now all of a sudden it's going to make your life great. 
That's what Paul is saying. And I want to, here are our last few moments, I want to give you some steps to have the Holy Spirit in your life. To have more of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because there's just some people like that, right? That, that just seem like they've got the power of the Holy Spirit on their life. Like God is all over them. And I, I think in the book of Acts, that's what you saw a lot of. That you saw these people that were, what the Bible says, were full of the Holy Spirit. And then God gave them some kind of task to carry it out. So God gave them purpose, and then he gave them the power to carry it out whenever he filled them with the Holy Spirit. And I want to give you some things that you can apply in your life so that you can be full to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. So you can have clarity around your purpose, your everyday life, what God has placed you on planet Earth to do, and then have the courage to carry it out. Here's the first one. It's not complicated. It's simple. So seek the Holy Spirit through prayer. Seek the Holy Spirit through prayer. I love this in, in Luke chapter 11, verse 13. It says this. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, he says, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know, for my kids, if they, if they ask for something that is good for them, and then I, I have it to give to them, then absolutely I'm going to give it to them. Now, if they're asking for something that they shouldn't have, that something's going to harm them, then I'm, as a parent, I wouldn't be a good parent if I gave those things to them. But if they're asking for something that I have, that is in my power to give them, and it's good for them, then of course I'm going to do it for them. And it's the same way with the, your Heavenly Father. That He wants to give the Holy Spirit to people, but it's just He's waiting on us to ask Him. To fill you to full to overflowing with the, the Holy Spirit. Maybe for you it would be a, a simple prayer. Just every single day that you, you would say a prayer, God, fill me more with your Holy Spirit. You know, when you get saved, you've got the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. That you're, you, God puts the Holy Spirit inside of you when you commit your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says that it's a, a guarantee unto the day of salvation. So there's a deposit of the Holy Spirit that's in each one of us that are believers and know Christ, that have trusted in him. But then beyond that, there's the, the, the filling of the Holy Spirit to where you put, he puts more and more of that in you. And that's the, the second, second point is to take steps of faith. To take steps of faith. You can think of the, the faith part as, um, it's like the spark that, that sets the, the Holy Spirit on fire in your life. It's like the thing that God uses then to now release the Holy Spirit in your, in your life. And you can think of it like an investment. You can think of it like, uh, okay, to open a bank account, you've got to have a minimum deposit, right? And so that's what God does with us when we commit our lives to him. He's like, I'm going to give you a portion of myself, the Holy Spirit, who's going to dwell in you. And that's a guarantee, like, hey, you can be sure that I'm going to do this for you. And so he gives you the Holy Spirit to guide and direct your life and is just involved in your life, changes your heart. But then on top of that, he fills people with the Holy Spirit spirit because he's like an investor he's looking for people to take steps of faith that that, that if you were an investor that's what you would want to do with other people's money that you're trying to invest you're you're taking that money and you're trying to put it places where it can grow and that's what you see God doing in the book of Acts is he's filling people that are taking steps of faith That he's filling people full to overflowing that are saying, okay, they're going to stand up and speak. Or they're going to go serve somebody. Because your gift may not be to stand up and speak. 
Your gift may be to serve other people. Your gift may be to hospitality. Your gift may be something else. But he's looking for people that are willing to take steps of faith. He's going to fill those people. God's an investor wanting to pour out his love on a hurting, broken world. And he's looking for conduits. He's looking for people that are saying, yeah, I'll take a step of faith. So that in those moments, God then uses you. If you follow Christ for any amount of time, maybe you've been in that place where you're just like, man, just God used me in that moment to have a conversation or speak to someone. I was talking to a lady this morning. She was telling me her story about how she had a conversation with somebody at, at lunch, a, a couple, and it got onto the things of God. And, and she started to talk about how she's a born-again believer and talk about this church. And she invited them to church, and we were praying for them this morning. God was using her in that moment. That's what God is looking for. He wants to fill people that are willing to take these steps of faith. Maybe your step of faith is sharing your faith at work. Having that conversation with someone at your workplace that you know that God's put on them on your heart and you've been praying for them, thinking about them. But now it's just now you just need to take that step of faith and trust that God's filling you with the words and the Holy Spirit to speak in that moment. And as you do that, you'll watch God use you. And guess what's going to happen? Now he's going to give you more. And he's going to give you more. And that's what God wants to do. Maybe it's serving a neighbor in your neighborhood. Maybe it's restoring a relationship with a family member. Maybe it's being the husband that you need to be or the wife that you need to be or the dad or the mom or the grandpa or the grandma that God has called you to be. When you rise to that level and you take those steps of faith, then God begins to fill you to give you the power to bring clarity around your purpose and give you the confidence and the strength to carry out that purpose for his glory, for his honor. And this last one, taking steps of, of faith. And then this last one, keep being filled with the Spirit because the Spirit leaks. Keep being filled with the Spirit because the Spirit leaks. You know, it's interesting as I begin to study this and begin to look at all the times that the Bible talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit. You know, so many times it, it talks about that. It makes you say, okay, if you could be full with the Holy Spirit, you could probably be three quarter full. <laughs> you know, you could be half full, be a quarter full. You know, some people running on empty. <laughs> they don't have a whole lot of God in their, their life. And that's not what God wants. 2015, I took a leap and I bought a Prius. Okay. Now in Missouri, I kind of get made fun of. Okay, I hear that it's a little more acceptable out here, so I, I like that. But I, I laugh all the way to the bank. Anybody that makes fun of the prayer, I'm like, whatever. I got more money in my bank, so yeah, I don't spend as much money on gas. But when I first got it, it was kind of like a little game for me. I fill it up full, and then it's got those little bars that tell me how much you know gas is in the gas tank, and then it tells me you know if I'm using the just the battery or if I'm using the the, the engine. And so I'd always try to just use the battery as much as I could. And I, I, I didn't, I wanted to see how far I could go just without that, that first bar on the gas tank disappearing. I wanted to stay full as long as I could. Now I learned, now it doesn't matter. I can just be like a dragster around town. I still save money. You know, the thing is still great on gas. But I wanted to stay on full. And I believe that's what God's will is for you. That he wants you to stay on full. That's his desire and his plan for your life is that you be full to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And I just think, what would it look like? What would it look like if all of us, including me, said, God, I just want to be full of your Holy Spirit. Whatever you called me to do might be different than what God's called you to do. 
He'll give you the power to carry it out so you can fulfill his plan. What would it look like? Man, it'd probably look like the book of Acts. Man, how exciting. God would want to use us just like that. I want to take a moment. I want to pray for you. That God would do just that. Give you a hunger for him to fill you with his Holy Spirit. That he might bring clarity to your purpose and give you the power to carry it out. Let's pray together. God, I love you so much. I thank you for this morning. Thank you that we could come into this place and worship you. God, I pray for each one of us that we would desire more of you and desire for you to use us. And God, I pray that if there's some in this place that don't have a relationship with you, I pray, God, that today they would exercise faith in you, trust in your son, Jesus, for the forgiveness of sins, and that your Holy Spirit would come dwell in their hearts. And then, God, I pray that you would fill all of us full to overflowing with your presence. God, that you might use us to share your love with others through the various means of the gifts that you've given to us. And God, give us the confidence and the power to stand strong for you, Lord. Lord, that we might be a city on a hill, a light in a dark place. We love you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.